You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. There was, um, there was war again. For David went out to fight the Philistine army, and he struck them down with a great blow. And the enemy began to run. There was victory among God's people, but even the best peacemakers couldn't keep peace forever. As David was playing the lyre for King David, Saul, Saul once again took up the spear in this fit of jealous rage, And that harmful spirit from the Lord once again began to torment the heart of Saul. The spear was launched at David and slammed into the wall, and David began to run. Because regardless of what we say about peacemaking or forgiveness, the calling is not to stay in the house and continue to get hurt. So David ran back to his own home, and the messengers of Saul lurked around the property so that they might kill him in the morning. This dark moment for the anointed king, what would, what, like, what would the morning bring? What would happen to the prophecy of Samuel? I mean, w- would David even stay alive long enough to take the throne? If you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. The haunting words of Michal, Saul's daughter, and David's wife. It was time to run again. It was a time to flee. And so Michal, she lowered David through the window so that he could escape. And in a panic, she took an image, and not just any image, but a false idol, a false god, a moment that revealed more about her heart than anything that has happened before. And she stuffed the idol into the bed under these blankets. She added a pillow of goat's hair as the head and then covered it with, with David's clothes. Like the scene of the movie, a movie, the, the decoy was perfect. The, like they would never know. Messengers burst into the room to take David. Do you, do you not see him in bed? He's sick. Leave him. Let him rest. Messengers returned to the home of Saul with the news no sympathy or concern from the king, Saul knew this was all a lie. If he's sick and in bed, well then bring him to me in the bed. It's time for David to die. I'm the true king. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one who claims victories. Bring him to me. And once again, messengers burst into the room. This time, the truth is uncovered. Behold, the false idol, the pillow of goat's hair in the bed, but David was not. Saul questioned his youngest daughter, why have you deceived me? Why have you let my enemy escape? Why did I let him go, Dad? Well, because he said he was going to kill me if I didn't. Of course, that was a lie. 
But it was a believable lie, a lie that lit a fire of anger in Saul, like of course he would. I should have never trusted him. I should have never listened to my son Jonathan. David has been and always will be my enemy, and now he's going to threaten my daughter. Now he's going to threaten her, her life. Well, David must be destroyed. And so David ran. He fled. This is a message for those that have problems in their life which means this is a message for everyone. There's not a person here or listening that does not have things in this life that afflict them. So yeah, sure, maybe most of us are not running for our life, but we're all trying to run away from some sort of issues. But listen closely. This isn't a message to tell you to run harder just to keep fleeing. This is a message to remind us where to run to. Knowing that many of us are exhausted, knowing that we are weary, let me show you from the word a place to call home, a place to run to. So we'll finish 1 Samuel 19 today. Um, if you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in your bulletin. But before we read in 1 Samuel 19, let's pray together. Father, we um, gather together in honesty, knowing that myself, that every person in this room, anyone that would ever listen to this, has problems in their life. Problems they're just trying to get away from. God, we ask that you would teach us through 1 Samuel 19, not how to run, but where to run to. God, give us grace and understanding as we look at this story. Um, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I'm going to start in verse 18. So 1 Samuel 19, starting in verse 18, it says this. Now, David fled and escaped. And he came to Samuel at Ramah and, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Naoth. And it was told Saul, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then, then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing his head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. So then he himself went to Ramah. And he came to the great well at Saku, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. 
And he went there in Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? Question in your notes. Where should I run? That's the question I want to answer from the passage this morning. When life afflicts you, when you find yourself trying to escape the sin that is around you and maybe even in you, where should you run? So if you're a note taker, here's point one. Keep it simple. Run to the place of encouragement. Of encouragement. Look at verse 18. David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah. Now, we thought Samuel might have been forgotten and left in a place called Ramah. Ramah meaning high place. It can actually reference several locations in the Bible. In 1 Samuel, uh, we see this location first mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. But in this context, we're referencing Ramah of Benjamin. So we're, we're referencing the birthplace and the home of Samuel. So David ran to the home of Samuel, which I, if, if I can go ahead and give any practical advice that we're already seeing in the text, when we are running from sin that is around us and in us, run to the people of God. At this point in our first Samuel series, like we know the heart of Saul, a man of jealousy and, and envy and hate, but we also know the heart of, of Samuel, a humble and godly man, a, a man that walked in righteousness. Friends, let us run to the place where people love the Lord, know the Lord, and follow the Lord. When affliction comes, um, because it always comes. Let us run to the people of God. Because that's not what our country's done recently. When the pandemic hit, people ran away from the people of God. And I get it, there's a time and place to be concerned. There's also a time and place for those that are homebound, due to age and or illness, but for the rest of us in 2023, some of those people are still running. And they're, they're not running to the church. Let us run to the place where people love the Lord, know the Lord, follow the Lord. That's what we see David has done. He has ran to the man that anointed him. He has ran to the man of God and a group of prophets. Why? Like, why, should, why did he do that? Why should we do that? To be fair, this is somewhat conjecture, and I don't like to build a subpoint on conjecture, but I believe we do see it referenced in the text, and I know that we see it confirmed throughout our Bibles. So, like, why run to the people of God? Well, because we're running to the place hopefully, of encouragement. 
So in the text, David unloads this story to Samuel. A conversation is happening, happening in verse 18. Samuel, you, you know what he's like. Saul is, Saul is imploding. Saul's trying to take my life. My wife warned me to flee, and here I am, Samuel. Like, what do I do? Second half of verse 18, it says that he, he being David, and Samuel went to live in Naoth. Now, almost nothing is known about that location, other than that we know that it is in and or around Ramah. But what is clear is that Samuel listened to David and then took him in. Friends, run to the people of God. It's a place where you can unload all of the afflictions in your life. It's a place where godly men and women really listen to you. It's a place where you can be taken in and a place to call home in the, the middle of the chaos. I remember um, early on in ministry, uh, I, was, I was very discouraged by the current state of, of student ministry. So students had and have like so much technology and gadgets. Um, I just felt like they were constantly being entertained and still are. It, it discouraged me because like I didn't know how I was going to get these students to like actually come to youth group and to interact at all at youth group. But as I prayed, um, I was reminded of the unique opportunity the church has in teenagers' lives, and not just teenagers, but all of us. Like in what other setting will someone really listen to the deepest of their problems? In what other setting will someone really love them? In what other setting will someone encourage them with the gospel? In what other setting will someone encourage them with the full counsel of the, of the word? Because I promise you, it's not the school system. And sadly, it's not their families at times, although it should be. It's not their sports team. It's not their place of employment. No, it, it's the church that has the opportunity to step in and encourage those that are running from the enemy, the church is becoming rare. And that can be actually a profoundly good thing. Run to the place of real, godly, gospel-saturated encouragement. Not TikTok, not another drug, not another relationship. Run to real encouragement. Let the people of God, like Samuel, provide it. Let East River Park forever be this place of encouragement for those on the run where we listen to those that are afflicted and take them in. Listen to 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. It's a place of love that doesn't ignore sin, 
a place of love that covers a multitude of sin, a place of hospitality, a place that fulfills the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So that's twofold. Run to the place that's actually going to offer you godly encouragement, and then let's continue to be a place that actually does that. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing. Where should I run? Where should you run? Let me give you point two. Run to the place of protection. And now we come to the most unusual and powerful heart of the story. So Saul, he's not one to get his hands dirty. I think the narrative has proven that. So he sends these messengers in, again in verse 20. I've been told that David is at Naoth and Ramah. Go get him. Bring him to me. So as we see in the text, the messengers arrive on the scene in a not-so-unfamiliar situation. So the prophets of God are prophesying, and Samuel is standing over them as their head. And if you can picture this, this scene in your mind, it's startling. It's just, I mean, it's not unfamiliar. That's what God's prophets do. They prophesy. And in the context of the narrative, they're not prophesying about the future. It, it's more of them being consumed with the Holy Spirit and then uttering praises and words about and to the Lord. That's not unfamiliar. What's, what's unfamiliar is what happens next in the text. In the verse 20, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers, men that did not love the Lord, men that did not follow the Lord, the Lord men that weren't prophets of God, the Holy Spirit rushed upon Saul's messengers, and they too began to prophesy. The supernatural, overwhelming protection of the Lord. The Holy Spirit stopped the captors. So what's a king going to do? Well, I guess he'll just send in a second group of messengers. Same thing. The supernatural overwhelming protection of the Lord. The Holy Spirit rushed upon the second group, and they too began to prophesy. The Holy Spirit stopped the captors. Third, tar third time's a charm, right? I mean, maybe the first two groups were just weak. End of verse 21, Saul sends in the last wave of messengers, and as the text shows, supernatural, overwhelming protection of the Lord. The third group begins to prophesy. The Holy Spirit stopped the captors. Run to the place of protection. Run to God's people, first that are filled with the Holy Spirit, Run to God's people that prophesy, not some random future events, but people that actually prophesy the word of God. After all, that's the only thing that will truly provide protection. 
The Holy Spirit rests on the prophets of God. The Holy Spirit stopped any harm coming to God's people. And church, we, we now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's not an it or some magic sprinkled on God's people. He is God. We have God in us. The Holy Spirit, run to the people of God that have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How many times do you have to learn that the hard way? We run to those that don't know God. We seek comfort from those that don't have the Spirit. We crave wisdom from those that don't proclaim the word of the Lord. And then we wonder why our lives aren't protected against the evil of the enemy. What do you think was going to happen? Run to the people that are actually wearing the armor of God, because it's not the people that protect, it's the armor. We serve a Lord that wants to provide protection against the enemy, that can provide protection against the enemy, and that has all control over the enemy. Run to the place of that protection. Run to the Lord. So it's a promise in the Old Testament. You see throughout the Old Testament, I'll fire them away. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that has fashioned against you shall succeed. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Psalm 32, 7, you are a hiding place for, for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Psalm 138, 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man... Well, he runs to it, and it is safe. And it's a promise of the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And you might think, well, yeah. Um, but then why do, why do bad things still happen to the good people? The answer is that bad things happen to all people and no one's good. But when bad things happen to God's people, the people who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, well, there's a promised eternal protection. What do I have to fear? I mean, you can cuss me out. You can mock me. You can take everything from me. You can kill my body and I'll just live again. The same spirit that rested on those in 1 Samuel and protected David, that same spirit now lives within you. Christians, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that same spirit now lives in you. Romans 8, verse 9. 
you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Run to the place, the only place that can provide true protection. No harm fell on God's anointed. The Lord would not allow it, and every messenger was stopped. Well, um, how about the king? I mean, surely King Saul can figure something out here. Where should I run? Let me give you point three. Run to the place of salvation. Verse 22, I mean, Saul's just going to do the job himself. If the messengers couldn't get it done, he will. So he begins to walk over to the land of Ramah, the high place, and he arrives at the great well. Where are Samuel and David? Where are they? Saul asked this random stranger, Behold, they are at Naoth and Ramah. And so Saul continues to walk, and once again, the supernatural, overwhelming protection of the Lord. And Saul begins to walk and prophesy. Walking, prophesying along the way, the mighty king, appearing like a lunatic. And then things go from bad to worse for Saul and probably the others. He stripped off his clothes and he laid his royal wardrobe aside and then fell before Samuel. Naked. All that day, all that night, the great king Saul prophesied. And then at the end of verse 24, someone said, well, is, is Saul also among the prophets? Now, maybe you have a good memory. I do not. Um, but this narrative today does sound really familiar if you've been with us in this first Samuel series. Because there is another one much like it, a, a scene where Saul goes looking for Samuel, a scene where Saul prophesies. So if you actually have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen. It's just a little bit longer, but this is 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, starting in verse 9. When he turned his back to leave Samuel... God gave him another heart. All these signs came to pass that day, and when they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What's come over this son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, Who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he finished prophesying, he came to the high place. So let me be clear, the parallel is not there by accident. In God's sovereignty, it's happening again. In God's sovereignty, like he's making a mockery of Saul. 
a reminder to Saul and to everyone around him that it is the Lord God that is in control. It's the Lord God that saves. And powerful King Saul, naked and mumbling at the feet of Samuel, for the Lord would not even allow King Saul to harm his anointed. The point is, I mean, it's only the Lord that saves. It, it, it wasn't Michal hiding some false idol in the bed. It wasn't the lie of David's wife. It wasn't the works. It's not even the works of Samuel. It's the Lord alone that saves. And verses 18 through 24 are the powerful proof. The prophet Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 43, starting in verse 11, I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declare the Lord. I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There is no, none who can deliver from my hand. I work. Who can turn it back? Run to the place of salvation. And honestly, that place is a person named Christ Jesus. It's the words of Peter and John before the council. Acts 4, verse 1. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders that has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name by which you and I can be saved. There is no other name that we should preach but Christ and Christ crucified. Where should I run? Where should you run? We'll run to the place of salvation, run to the cross of Christ. I mean, has, has God not proven that he alone is able to save? I'm not entirely sure how they became so frightened of bugs. I personally blame YouTube, um, but my children are terrified of anything that stings. Now, I get it. Uh, none of us in this room like to be stung by a, a bee or a wasp, but um, if, our, if our three children see any flying insect, they go into this like full-blown panic attack. So one afternoon, um, we heard blood-curdling screams outside, and like a good parent, um, I checked the ring camera on the front door rather than getting off the couch, and um, I saw three of my kids on the other side of the road running around, and they're just screaming. So my wife and I, we uh, went out to investigate this problem, um, and apparently, apparently there were... Um, a few wood bees that would not leave them alone. And everywhere they, they ran, a, a new would be would show up. And honestly, it was just getting a little embarrassing. And so we yelled for them to come inside. I mean, if they're going to run around and act like psychos, they at least need just, just to come inside. No would be is going to get them in there. And as ri ridiculous as that sounds, so many of us treat life that way. 
We are running from problem to problem with the exact same results. You're not running a race, you're running in a loop from problem to problem. We're always running from something, but never to something. So the call of the Bible is not to run from problems, but to run to Christ. I mean, he's the only one who can offer us lasting encouragement. He's the only one that can offer real protection. He's the only one that can offer eternal salvation. Because here's the point of the passage. The Holy Spirit does not bring news of captivity. I mean, the Lord would not allow that one. The Holy Spirit brings good news. Again, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. That's what the Spirit of God brings not a message of captivity and death, a message of good news to the afflicted. That's our summary point. The Spirit of God brings good news to the afflicted. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're running from. Maybe it's from the, the sin that you find yourself surrounded by a kind of evil that seeks to ruin your life. Maybe it's from sin that is at work within you. Oftentimes it's both. I don't know what you're running from. My plea is to run home to the Lord. Run to Christ. Run to encouragement. Run to protection. Run to salvation. I mean, really, it's, it's the only place to call home. So let's pray together. God, we're thankful uh, for the narrative account for Samuel 19. And we're thankful for at least the model of, of what it means to, to run from problems, from sin, and to run to the Lord. And God, regardless of, of what we've got going on this morning, um, and if people are, are battling things, the, the plea, I plea, God, that they would run to you. And that they would run to people that know you and love you. God, that they would be filled with encouragement that they would be filled with a protection that, that, that goes beyond just a, a, a moment. God, a kind of eternal protection that even if you kill our body, we'll just rise from the dead. God, a, a salvation that lasts more than a moment, an eternal salvation. God, help us to be people that run to the Lord. And we're 
we're thankful to just open your word and to be encouraged by it and challenged by it. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.